like we need this we need sandstorm we need to get pumped up welcome to our two a wildcat insider mitch fortner the hall of fame voice of the cats white thompson we didn't really get sandstorm in the uh, season finale at bramlage maybe we'll get it on the road at you know uh the what is it the uh greensboro coliseum mm-hmm. need to get pumped up if you haven't yet, go buy your plane tickets or gas up your cars, whatever you plan to do. Get yourself a hotel. Get yourself some tickies to go watch the Cats in the first and second round. Well, that's why we're getting Sandstorm here because Mitch has secured his I have flights. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's the deal. That's what forced the timeout. <laughs> or some might be taking a timeout because they're like, 600 bucks round trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About six hundo out of Kansas City, about the same out of Manhattan, and uh, I don't know what tickets are for the NCAA tournament, but I, like hotels, actually, I got mine for four nights under four hundred dollars. There you go. It wasn't too bad at all. The thing is, can't really find a whole lot of hotels in the downtown area around the around the arena. There's not much. I have uh, not much of a real idea on this, but I've been told that the team hotel. Is 10 or 11 miles from the Greensboro Coliseum. Yeah. So they're out a little ways, which is okay. Um, but I'm, I'm so excited, too. Great to be going back. Um, hoping we were going to be a little closer to home. But uh, just just being back in there and, and, and enjoying, you know, this season moving forward uh, for however long it's going to last uh, is really going to be neat. I, I've loved this team. I've loved being around them. Uh, they've done a really nice job. Thrilled for them that they're a three, and uh, we'll uh, talk here about Mount Montana State in a little bit. And uh, should be a very, very, very interesting uh, first weekend for the Cats. Friday, Sunday. Yes. You brought it up in the first hour. I, I meant to bring this up earlier as I did a little research. So you mentioned that yesterday, Selection Sunday, was one of the longest we've waited to see K-State's name pop up. I remember women's basketball uh, when they actually hosted a first and second round when Stanford came to town. Gosh, I can't I, I know I think Kindred Wiesman, Brianna Lewis were seniors that year. Um they their name was I think popped up last. Is that second right? to last. Didn't remember that. Uh so waited a long time to see that reveal. Yeah, K State let, let me let me grab the uh the uh, bracket here. Uh K State's name was uh, sixth to last. To pop in Selection Sunday, and according to the timeline that we'll have in the first round, Friday at 8.40, that's Central Time, against the Montana State Bobcats, um, that'll actually be the third-to-last game to tip off in the first round. So, listen, for those complaining about, I'm getting old, these 8 o'clock, 8.40 tips, I'm just too old for this. It's Friday night. Go out, have some fun. 
if you're not traveling, get some friends together, go out and watch the game or have a watch party or something. Sure. It's the NCAA tournament. Yeah. As a matter of fact, just play hooky on Friday. Don't even go to work. Call in sick or something. Take the day. It's a. This is the most wonderful time of the year, in my opinion, the NCAA yeah. tournament. It, it is um, a very interesting tip time. Um, you know, 840 Central. We'll go on the air on the network at 730 okay. uh, Central time. So a little bit of an extra, uh, oh, a few minutes there, I'll say. And, of course, that 840 is kind of a swinging time there because it depends on the first game. But I think they have enough time between that it should not be a problem at all. I think the, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Kentucky – Providence game tips at seven ten Eastern. Does that sound right? Yes. Yeah. Two and a half hours before. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it. Uh, I can't wait, man. I can't wait. I I just uh, maybe part of it it for me too is is on top of you know a, a twenty three win season and you know the three seed and that is I'm ready to get the taste of TCU's loss out of out of. Out of sight, out of mind, out of mouth, whatever you want to say. No kidding. That was a, that was a tough night because K State didn't play well, and um, I, th- I think uh, I think they want to make a statement of, you know, we're not going to do that. We're going to show up and really compete this time. Yeah, back to back games, right on the road, you know, away from Bramlage Coliseum. One on the road, one neutral, technically. And K State comes out looking really good in the first four minutes or mm-hmm. so, and then things turn the other direction soon after that and you know what the truth is is i thought k-state's effort at west virginia was good um it was just hard without desi and and not all of your complimentary he's probably the i mean he's been in the starting lineup for a few games now but for most of the season he's been your most complimentary piece off the bench and as we talked about last hour briefly probably the the next choice after serge Jabari rice for the sixth man of the year in the league um but but against TCU, despite jumping out to eleven to two, I just didn't think K State played with the same kind of effort um, that that they had throughout most of the season. And everybody knows that when when turnovers are a problem for them, they're just going to struggle. And that was the case in this game. When you turn the ball over twenty times, it doesn't. There's no way to make that look good, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there just isn't. You're just—it's a struggle, and it looked like a struggle. Uh, do you have the you have the box score in front of you? I was going to look yep. it up because I, I mean TCU had been just the worst matchup for K State this year when it comes to turnovers, and K State doesn't play its best against teams that turn teams over really, and TCU's one of the best at turning teams over. And K State, you said yeah, K State had 20 turnovers in the game. Mm-hmm. I wanted to look. Look up Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel. So, Key had four. Noel had five turnovers against TCU. That's actually lows in the series against TCU because both those gentlemen had combined in the previous two games for 25 total turnovers against TCU. I mean, that's a team that they're going to really bother your best players. They're going to try to force the ball out of their hands or make a bad pass. You know what's really pretty crazy? If you look at the numbers I think I have this correct I'm going to look at the last couple of two or three box scores here this is going to surprise you when I tell you this 
Keontae Johnson at West Virginia, no free throw attempts. Mm. TCU the other night, no free throw attempts. Wow. Oklahoma, no free throw attempts. Oklahoma State prior to that, no free throw attempts. That's four straight games without a free throw attempt for Keontae Johnson. How's that possible? It isn't possible. That's the point. I had no. I didn't even realize that. That's awful. I, and yeah, that's my little shot at some of the. Are you kidding me? Well, and like, I'll, I'll ask you about like from upstairs. We're watching up in the rafters of of the T-Mobile <laughs> Center. So right. you, you know, there's some things you maybe need some binoculars for for up there, but. There, there were times early in the game where Keontae either got bumped or he just fell while trying to make a move to the hoop. That's all That's all fair. So and that's a couple of things he's had some struggles with. But I will say I think Keontae has made some strides really when it comes to the fouling. He had a bad issue for a while there for a stretch, and especially when K-State was on that losing streak on the road of him picking up early fouls. And now he's not picking up charges. He's being smarter with not barreling into guys. No one's – you know, to pump the brakes and time things up a little bit better. And I think he's actually looked a little bit more athletic making moves to the bucket. So, I, I mean, I don't know what it took to get it done or what he's been doing necessarily, but it just looks better. Yeah. And the results have been better, I think. Yeah, I, I think Other it's an interesting fouls. subject because I think you can look at the four straight games without a free throw attempt. You can go a lot of different ways there. Uh, early in the year – I, I think they were just playing so free and easy because there wasn't any pressure, right? Everybody thought they were going to be last in the league and so on and so forth. And as they ascended and got better and better and better, then there's a little more pressure. And and you get into the second cycle of the league and people have you figured out now and can, again, as I said last hour, they, they make you play through your weaknesses, not your strengths. Uh, those those All of those things are factors. But I just I just wanted to make that point that it's really amazing with literally one of the best players in the league – to not make a, tr- uh, even try a free throw attempt in the final four games, that's crazy. It, it just doesn't make any sense because of the physical. I mean, everybody's talks about the league and how physical it's been all year long, right? Yeah. You think Jalen Wilson went to foul line the other night? I would assume a couple of times. <laughs> Don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would guess. You th- Adam Flagler? Yeah. Although I will say, you know, Texas. Well, let's just run. Th- let's just run through the first team here. Okay. Flagler, Wilson, Noel, Marcus Carr. All those guys have been to the line. Well, it didn't seem like Marquise went to the uh, foul line too many times against TCU. Well, he didn't, and they and and yeah. in fairness too, they did a nice. They it was did only a nice Desi. Job. He did not shoot a free throw in that game. Yeah, it was only Desi. That okay, really how much money would line. you be willing to put on? Honestly, in one game, any game in the league tournament, whatever. No free throw attempts for Keontae Johnson, um, Marquise, or Naquan Tomlin. Well, do you remember who was refereeing that game? Yes, I do. I guess we made our point, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> it was kind of a murderous row of guys you don't want to run into, usually. Uh, I, I'll give you a hint of who of one of the referees uh, was. Every time he points in a direction, he goes, Boom! One of the most annoying things I've ever heard. <laughs> What's the point? Anyway, all right. Um, I tell you what. Um, let's take a break. When we come back, let's take a look at the Bob pa- Bobcats. Another Cats. They go. Their their thing is go Cats go. We're go Cats. They're go Cats go.
There I you saw go. that earlier. Uh, we'll talk about the 14 seed in Montana State after this on Wildcat Insider. Wildcat Insider continues. Mitch Fortner and Wyatt Thompson. The Cats dancing. Once again in the NCAA tournament, they'll play Friday at 8.40 Central Time. That's 8.40 at night. Against the Bobcats of Montana State, the champions out of the Big Sky Conference. Coach Tang was asked at the press conference after Selection Sunday, is he glad the team is playing on Friday, not Thursday? Here's Coach. Most of the upsets take place on Thursday. <laughs> you know, so it's something about watching a higher seed get upset that first day that really gets people more locked in that second day. We can tell them all we want, but, you know, that's something about seeing it happen that, that makes a difference. When he said that most upsets take place on Thursday, I was like, you know what? That is something that can be just easily pulled out of your keister uh, when it comes to stats. Uh, but, you know, what? I was like, you yeah, know, there's probably something to it. I don't think you just throw it out there. So I, I did a little bit of research Okay. for the very little time I had to do that today. I looked at the last two NCAA tournaments and in looking at the first round. Did more upsets happen on the first day or the second day of the first round? Last year, first day, there were six. And when we mean upsets, we're not just talking about uh, you know, 13s beating a four. We're talking you know, nine over an eight right. is technically an upset, right? On Thursday, the first day of last year, there were six. Friday, the next day, there were four. All right, so two more upsets. In 2021, there were six upsets in the first day. The next day, there were four. So there you go. You got the same. So, but, you know, technically, coach is right. Mm -hmm. Of, uh, you know, 60% of the upsets the last two years have taken place on day one of the entire tournament or the uh, the round of 64. The first round, a little bit less in day two. But I, I, I get what he's saying because. I mean, so I'm sure there's a ton of nerves for any game that happens in the first round, first time out there, national stage. You know, you see March Madness on the floor or whatever. Yeah, you, you made it. That's everybody's goal, right? You, you kind of get day one right to relax if you're playing day two, I guess. I, I don't know how to – I'm not a player, but I'd imagine it's something like that. Like, you watch somebody just get heartbroken in game one. Sure. And, uh, yeah, you don't want that to happen. You know, I'll go all the way back to the Grand Caymans with this. I've, I've heard Coach say this for the Grand Caymans tournament, for the Big 12 tournament, and the NCAA tournament. The first game is the hardest one to win. I think he believes it. I think that uh, totally in on all of that. And, and I'm not sure of all of the reasons, but I think in the NCAA tournament case, I think, I think you know, you get there, you know, and I think he believes that there are fewer upsets Friday because the Friday people have seen all of those that get punched in the nose on Thursday. Mm -hmm. That's just that's just the way I interpreted it, right or wrong. And all the games in Greensboro, North Carolina, that's where K-State plays on Friday. They'll play there Friday, and if they beat Montana State, they'll play again on Sunday against the winner of Kentucky and Providence. That's a 6-11 matchup. The two games prior to the, to the uh, K-State game, and Kentucky Providence game on Friday will feature a 6-11 matchup. Iowa State, also of course Big 12, will be there in town. Play the winner of Mississippi State and Pitt. That's a play-in game. And then you also have Xavier and Kennesaw State, a 3-14 matchup. Now, Xavier uh, was the last three seed to get in. K-State was said to be the third best 
three seed in the other two are Gonzaga and Baylor. Xavier's a good club. Yeah. I think I think that league was was pretty good this year. Uh, not Big 12 good top to bottom, but I think uh, at the top part of the league, I think it was quite good. Um, I'm anxious to see uh, that game. I don't know a ton about Kennesaw State, but I'm told they're really athletic and they shoot it. Um, so I, I think that'll be, you know, that'll be a fun day to watch. Lots of lots of good basketball. Let's get to Montana State. Let's look at the Bobcats uh, kind of preliminary breakdown of what to expect on Friday. This is a team that went 25 and 9 and finished conference play at 15 and 3. They've now won back-to-back uh, Big Sky Conference tournaments. Um, also, I also read that this is like the first time in a century or something like that. That, and it'd be crazy to think it goes back that far. That like they had played this many games, but first time in almost a century they've won back-to-back years, 25 games. Wouldn't surprise me. And they've had you know decent teams over the course of time, but uh, to give you an example, last year there were twenty-seven and eight, won the Big Sky regular season at sixteen and four. This year they were picked to win the league, but finished second to Eastern Washington, but still went fifteen and three <laughs> in the league. That's that's interesting, I think. And they were twenty-five and nine, as you said, during the regular season. They're always good at home, where they were twelve and one, won ten games on the road, so. They compete. They're they're. It, it's interesting to look at them because I think they have a, a pretty pretty crafty little point guard who's been around. He's been at Cal State Northridge. Their uh, their real scorer is Raquan Battle, who uh, roughly is seventeen points a ball game on the year. Uh, but they got a six eight two hundred and forty pound guy up front, uh, Jabril Bello, who is a thirteen and six guy. So they're they're solid. They they scored a little bit. They shoot it pretty well. Very good foul shooting team, nearly 76%. I don't think they're quite as athletic and as deep as as maybe most that we see night in and night out, but uh, they will compete and they're well coached. Their coach, Danny Sprinkle, is one of the best players to ever play at Montana State. So you would know he's all in on the Bobcats, right? No doubt about that. I haven't haven't watched any film on them yet. I didn't watch any of the Big Sky Tournament, uh, but I, I, I've been looking at their stats. You mentioned Raekwon Battle, 17 points a game type of guy. He's about 35% from three-point range. The What I get from them offensively, they're a pretty average team when it comes to shooting the basketball. Like mm-hmm. nothing, They can have a really good day, or sometimes they don't have great days. But I think where they make up for it, if they're they're having a bit of a bad day offensively or maybe not hitting the threes that, like they'd like to, uh, they they do make it up with their defense. And apparently they're pretty tough inside. They're not the most physical team. But they will man up on you. They don't turn it over much. They shoot it decent, especially from the free throw line. They average less than 12 turnovers a game. So, again, I think all indications are that they take care of the ball. They probably take pretty good shots, value the ball. <laughs> you know, that you do all of that, you give yourself a chance. And, um, you know, they've, they've, uh, I don't remember, let me see if I can find that real quick they they haven't really Oregon crushed them early by 30 um, they lost at Arizona 85-64 so those are probably without a question the two best teams they've played and the big sky is going to be teams like Northern Colorado Northern Arizona Weber State Idaho State those types of teams so not the biggest names but uh, they will compete and fight you. 
you mentioned the turnovers. Yes, offensively, Montana State doesn't turn over a bunch. What I mentioned about the defense is if, if you make lazy passes, they're going to probably take it away from them. They may average about, I think it's over, they, they force over 14 turnovers a game, and we know that K-State at times have struggled against teams that are very good at turning teams over. Yeah. And I think their turnover rate, I think that's top 70, top 80 in the country, so it's really not too bad. I mean, if you look at teams like Kentucky and Providence, and uh, I'm not the ones that pulled out these numbers. I, I you know, I shout out to my group chat um, that that that's been doing all the digging on these on these teams. You know, Providence and and Kentucky aren't great at playing good defense. They can be, but like turning over teams, they're not very good at it. Montana State has actually been pretty decent at it. And if they get hot from the field, that's when you start to get into trouble when they're playing well on both ends of the floor. They're going to play pretty decent defensively. Expect that offensively. It depends on how focused K-State is and comes out with energy because if you leave them open around the arc, an average team from three, and they get going, they're tough to stop. Heck, in one game, they hit I, – I, give, me, give me the team's name. It was Northwest Indian, Yeah, a team that – it's a program I've never heard of before, but Montana State hit 23 threes in that game. 23 threes in that game, and they scored like 140 points. I, I'm just saying. Like, I know <laughs> – that's not the best, you know, when it comes to competition. I mean, and you thought TCU made a lot of threes the other night, right? You know, Montana State they played like Oregon the other, you know, <laughs> earlier this year, and they lost by thirty. They lost to Arizona by twenty. Mm-hmm. You know, the two times they've had a chance to play against a Power Five, Power Six opponent, Pac twelve opponent, uh, they got to sixty points, but you know, they did not play the best defense. And so I'm sure, you know, does K State try to take away something from those game plans? And try to use it to their advantage. You know, they 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 certainly well could. I think K State will be the more athletic team on the floor. Uh, but I will say their their big man. Um, as I got to turn to my Jabril Brello. Yeah, Brello. 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 Yeah. Yes, he's six nine, and he is one of five players in Division One college basketball for a career that has. Let me let me. I got I got to turn around. Look at my numbers here. But he's one of five players in Division One basketball that currently has fifteen hundred points, seven hundred rebounds, and one hundred and fifty blocks in his career. That's pretty legit. That could be a problem. Yeah, regardless of what level you're playing at. Uh, yeah, I can even give you the exact number: sixteen hundred and four points, seven hundred and sixty-eight rebounds, and one hundred and sixty blocks, which is first all time at their school. And he's uh, started every game in his career, one hundred twenty-two games. So he's been, he's been around there a long time. All right, we're going to try to take this call here, Wyatt. Okay. Uh, I'm not screening it. We're just going to try to go for it. What's up, caller? Uh, yeah, I heard something about the ladies are playing Wichita State Thursday night. That's that's correct. Thursday night, Bramlage Coliseum at 6 o'clock against Wichita State. When do you when can you start buying tickets? Tomorrow? Uh, that's a good question. I would imagine they're probably, if they're not available right away, yes, tomorrow morning they'll be up for sale, I'm sure. Or you could just probably buy them at the door if you wanted to. Or at the you know, I would, have ne- I would have never known that if I didn't hear you guys talking with Jeff Nitty about that. Yeah, yeah. We we found out actually just about, uh, I want to say 1.30. Yeah, it hasn't wow. been out that long, yeah. Okay, well, thanks a lot. You're welcome. There you go. All right, Cats, uh, Lady Cats and uh, Lady Shockers in Bramlage. Uh, and that will be Thursday at 6 o'clock for the opening round of the W. Uh, NIT. Uh, let's see. I think there's one more thing I wanted to bring up. Oh, they also have a. Uh, they they kind of have their own little Desi Sills on the team. He's a guard. Actually, I'm no. I'm sorry. He's a 
I shouldn't say Desi Seals. Um, I'm trying to think of who I can compare him to, but I think he comes off the bench. And uh, again, these are very. Poli- I got to turn around to look at all my notes here. You're talking about Osibor? Yeah, Osibor. Six eight four. There we go. Yeah. He's a six eight four. So, th- from what I understand, like Montana State, they're going to rotate guys in. They're about eight or nine deep, mm-hmm. and nobody averages more than twenty nine minutes a game. So guys will get in the game, and they're going to mix some things up and give you some different mismatches or give you some different matchups. Uh, but. Uh, he's, what's his last name again? Osibor. Osibor. Great Osibor. He's a kid from England. But he comes off great, the bench. That's in G-R-E-A-T. Great. Yeah. Like, I'm great. He's from Great Britain. Yeah. And um, he averages, what does he average? About, he averages about 10 points, 5 rebounds a game, and he plays about 17 minutes a game. Top reserve in the big sky. Yeah. Yep. And he actually earned that honor. Mm-hmm. So they're not, like, to me, they're not the deepest team. They're going to play some guys. But when you have a player like that comes off the bench and they can make a can come in and make some plays. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's the thing you about. should know. Ten points a game off the bench may not necessarily be all that odd, but if you're doing it in 19 minutes a game, that's pretty standout. That's that's a pretty good juice off the bench, so to speak. And they aren't the world's biggest or whatever. Um, but but again, I think this is a well coached team, and you got to you got to show up and play. That they're gonna fight. Um, you got to take the fight out of them, basically, because they'll compete. Well, uh, I know that Troy and I were trying to get lined up an interview with some media out of Montana State to uh, talk about it, talk to us about their team. I'll have a breakdown more of Mitch Palm when it comes to Friday. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do our best to actually work out some details to have some live broadcast from Greensboro, North Carolina, on Thursday and Friday. So hopefully that does uh, come true. And we'll bring you some live shows from Greensboro. Uh, with the call that brought up uh, women's basketball, we'll be on until 5.30 mm-hmm. on Thursday. And then we'll have pregame coverage at 5.30 uh, with uh, KSA women's basketball, Wichita State from Bramlage, 6 o'clock Thursday. All right, we'll take a break. And when we come back, let's look into the Big 12 and the matchups for uh, the Big 12 Conference in the first round of the NCAA tournament outside of K-State. Who do we think has a good shot of making a run in the tournament, Mitch Fortner and Wyatt Thompson. This is Wildcat Insider. All right, first round of the NCAA tournament for the Big 12 out of the South. And it's an 8-9 matchup. West Virginia uh, against Maryland. Russ up Baylor against UC Santa Barbara in the first round. Uh, K-State is the only team in the Big 12 in the East. To the Midwest, which KU is not in. Iowa State plays the winner of Mississippi State and Pitt. Texas and Colgate in a 215 matchup. And then in the West, Kansas and Howard will have a first round matchup. That's a 116. KU, the third best one seed. And then you have TCU facing the winner of Arizona State and Nevada. And I hope I didn't leave anybody out there. Uh, question gets brought up other than K State, you know, I can ask anybody a Final Four prediction. I'm sure a lot of people in purple would. Pick the cats to uh, get to the Final Four for the first time in a very long time. That's not crazy to say, but outside of the cats, Wyatt, I want to ask you quick prediction on who you think out of the Big Twelve can make a really big run. Maybe we should just take Kansas out of the equation as well. They're a one seed, right? But if you look past K State, the TCU's, the Baylor's, the uh, Iowa States. West Virginia's on who you think has a chance to make a pretty deep run. If you want, I can go first. I already have my pick. I had my pick before we went to break. Did you pick Texas or TCU? I picked TCU. (laughs) 
I kind of figured that you might, and I kind of understand it. Um, I do think if they play well, up to their capabilities, maybe not at 100%, but somewhat close, I'm going to be honest and say I like their draw. I mean, they can beat Arizona State or Nevada, and then more than likely you're going to get Gonzaga, and then down the road there, UCLA. That will be the hard one, right? There's no doubt about that. UCLA is very, very talented. They're exceptionally well coached. They're very, very tough. But as you mentioned, they lost a piece just a, a few days ago. Um, one of the better players in their conference, maybe the defense. I think he was defensive, the defensive player yeah. of the year. Um, really talented young player. So I do think their experience from last year where they got to the Sweet 16 and had a chance to beat Arizona and kind of um, unfortunately got a bad call that didn't go their way that probably cost them the game um, should help them this time. It's for me, uh, for me with them, it's going to be making shots. Against K-State, they made shots, they made threes. They don't make threes very often. I think to go and be what you hope that they're going to be, though, they'll have to – I mean, Mike Miles made four threes against K-State. Chuck O'Bannon made four. I don't know that O'Bannon will do that again, but you could could see a Damian Ball as an example. He he can be pretty good. Uh, Emmanuel Miller didn't play well against K-State, but I think part of that was the Cats. So they have pieces. Um, I I have no problem with that pick. With that said – I, I don't know that there's a, a lot of difference. Also, um, I mean, I like Texas. Uh, I think the committee chuckles under their breath when they, you know, go out a game and, and pit Texas against A&M. I think A&M will fight them like crazy, but I think Texas is the better team. Does the better team win on that day? I guess we'll find out. But then after that, I mean, Iowa State, Xavier, I mean, they're as good as those teams are better, Right. I have no, I have no problem thinking that they could get to the final four or to the regional final in in the in the in the Midwest. Yeah, if TCU can find a way, obviously, just to score the basketball, if they can get some outside game going, like they don't need to be unconscious like they were against K State and making eleven threes, but they can hit seven if they could get in that area, mm-hmm. and maybe even better, that certainly help them. But I mean, if if they can be on defensively and force turnovers, they could beat anybody in this tournament. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, your defense is supposed to win you championships, right? Well, if TCU gets their game plan and and plays it out well, as in forcing turnovers, getting out in transition and scoring some fast break points, they're going to beat anybody. They can even beat a Gonzaga team. Sure. That can, you know, make some mistakes and turn over the basketball at times when it looks uncharacteristic of them. So – I, I'm just going to say, watch out TCU. And I also like the pick because it, it won't be the sexiest pick. If I were to ask a lot of people that question, not very many people are going to pick TCU because Gonzaga is probably their opponent in the second round. Yeah, that's probably right. I'm just saying, don't. Yeah. I, I know Gonzaga is Gonzaga, but don't count them out against a team like TCU. Well, Gonzaga is not what they've been. I think they're still really good and capable of winning a couple of games or so, but I don't know that they're anything in the vicinity of I'm, I'm talking just in terms of, of, of talent and explosion offensively as they've been in the last couple of two or three years. If you were to fill out your bracket, would you pick a Big 12 team to not make it out of the first round? To not make it out of the first round? I think it's potentially possible. Um, let, let's, let's be frank here, right? Baylor has not played well down the stretch. They got clubbed twice by Iowa State. 
I think they got a really hard draw uh, for a three seed with Cal Santa Barbara. I mean, you heard those guys on the selection show yesterday. I think I don't know, remember if it was Seth or who it was. It might have been. Um, I think it was Seth though, but 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 one of them picked UCSB just bang like that. Uh, it wouldn't be stunning. I, I hope not. <laughs> kind of kind of uh, pulling for Baylor there, but um, they need to get back. Here's the thing: if they make shots and they play any kind of defense, they're a team that just <laughs> doesn't like to play defense that no. much. And you get into these big boy games in in March, you better defend some. Most of their guys will try a little bit. The problem they have is Keontae George plays no defense. None. Zero. None. So if he scores 25 and he gives up 25, they're even. So that puts a little bit more pressure on Cryer and Flagler, right? Now if he scores 30 and his guy gets 25, now you're okay. (laughs) I'm not trying to be funny, man. That's the the way it is. He won't guard. Have you watched him? Well, then I'm not picking Baylor to go on a run. <laughs> that defense isn't going to win championships. I'm sorry. I just don't think he's. I just don't think he's where he needs to be anywhere in the him. But but he's so good offensively that you kind of have to somewhat live with it from time to time. Well, and you mentioned they got a tough draw. They got the draw that K State fans were hoping we wouldn't get, and that's Creighton. Sure. On the other side of pass, a possible round of 32 matchup, mm-hmm. like there's a chance. You could see Creighton in Des Moines, Iowa, and that would really stink because you know Creighton fans are going to travel for that. Yeah, Creighton is a, probably a team right now you do not want to see, and that's who Baylor would have in the round of 32 if they get by Santa Barbara. You think West Virginia will beat Maryland? Yeah. Do you think they'll beat Alabama? No. <laughs> is this where I remind you that Alabama lost at Oklahoma? <laughs> That was back in January, uh, Wyatt. I, I, I get you know, it. Just uh, caught him on a bad day, right? Told, well, okay. That, that's still one. I don't – can anybody explain what happened that day? Probably not if you're being honest. It doesn't make a lot of sense. You know what? I've watched Alabama a couple of two or three times since then, and I, I every time I have that same kind of thought, how in the world did Oklahoma beat them by 25 or whatever it was? It's crazy. But All it right. happens. We'll take our last break. When we come back, we'll ask us anything. We'll uh, dig into the mind and the memory of Wyatt Thompson when it comes to the NCAA tournament next. All right, here we go. We wrap up Wildcat Insider. I wanted to ask uh, Wyatt Thompson the question of just kind of digging into his memories. Because you've been doing this a little while. You've been to a few NCAA tournaments. If there's any memories that stick out to you as being a favorite or just you know one of the memories that stands out to you the most about calling a game or just being around the NCAA tournament? I'll say a couple of two or three here real fast because I know we're up against it time-wise, but um, the double overtime game in Salt Lake with Xavier and, and playing in that regional final was heartbreaking with the loss to Butler, but it was so much fun because of the the over double overtime game, and it was just that was such a special team. Um, the, the shot that Barry made to beat Kentucky was really, really cool. Uh, those two always come to the forefront. Um, on an odd thought here, um, the first NCAA tournament that I had the opportunity to be part of the announcing team for was in 1990 with Colorado State in the West Regional in California against Alabama. And in that event was Loyola Marymount. Um, and right before they I mean, right before that is when Hank Gathers passed away, and I sat there courtside and watched Bo Kimball shoot that 
free throw left-handed in honor of his fallen mate. Don't think I'll ever forget that one. That was amazing. That just the incredible emotion of that would be hard to top. So there's a couple, two or three for you. I've been I've been lucky, man. I've seen a lot of good ones. Well, Friday, believe it or not, will be the first time I've ever attended the NCAA tournament for men's basketball. Really? I've never been. Wow, I did not realize that. Been to, of course, the women's when K-State hosted in volleyball NCAA tournament, I've been to. Yeah? Uh, no, I've never been to the men's, so... Greensboro, North Carolina will be the first time when actually I'm gonna go to I'm gonna try to go to all four games that Friday. So KU fans will hate me for this one, but one of my also other I, ones is Oklahoma City when uh, yeah. K State beat uh, BYU and then Ali Farokmanesh hit that shot to beat Kansas. Oh my gosh, that was quite a day too. It's one of the greatest shots in NCAA tournament history. Oh, without it, and you know what? It happened right in front of Stan and I. It, oh, he was it? literally standing right in front of us when he shot that ball, and you could tell as soon as he released it, it was going to be money. It's crazy. You remember what you said to Stan or Stan said to you when that shot went in? Game over. I don't know that we really said anything. It was just such an odd... I mean, like I say, you could tell it was going in, and it was going to be a a shocking, shocking moment, and boy, was it. Crazy. Well, Wyatt, I'll uh, be seeing you here in a few days in Greensboro, North Carolina. Sounds good, man. Safe travel.